0: For June 28th, 2021, it's the Overthinking a podcast, episode 678. A saga is a multi-generational story about a family. It's the Overthinking a podcast where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are not friends. We're family. And we are talking about F9. We're back, baby. The world is back. F9, Fast and fear. I'm sorry. The correct title of the, the film is what? F9, The Fast Saga?
1: right
0: yes uh, yeah that that's uh I'm Matt Rather. Most
1: sagas are slow
0: <laughs> this is no this is uh right it's almost like in the definition but this is the fast saga not fast in in the the number of decades over which it has unfolded <laughs> but uh yes i'm Matt that's Pete it's uh it's f nine Pete um I have a uh full little observation i I want you to know or perhaps you do know this is the six hundred and 78th podcast uh regular overthinking of podcast we've done to say nothing of the the offshoots and the the you know spin and spins off and the uh you know different shows of the just the canonical overthinking podcast this is the 678th podcast we've done this Pete 678 times and we haven't missed a week and I don't have a scratch on me. <laughs> Pete, do you, have, do you have a scratch on you from doing 678 podcasts? <laughs> no, we haven't. Uh. We haven't missed a week. Like, you know, I I don't know. Other podcast, like commercial podcast, they, they, they publish like eight episodes a year or something. And then Malcolm Gladwell goes on vacation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matt, I'm not applauding because we beat the jet plane. I'm applauding because we haven't exploded.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh you know, I'm I'm just saying I think we might be podvincible.
1: <laughs> Tempting fate uh, there. Tempting are we, fate.
0: Are we are we pod mortal? <laughs> <laughs> um well Pete, uh was just wondering if you had any thoughts about the uh <laughs>
1: Recent well, film. Do you want to be, before Zog we hat. dive into the critical analysis? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoilers for F nine. Eight Second seven all, six
0: five four three two and one.
1: F nine is awesome. <laughs> yeah. F nine is really, really good. It is better than it had any right to be yeah. given the circumstances. If you're
0: looking, if you're looking for the, if you haven't seen it and you're looking for the movie to re to inaugurate your return to movie theaters, this is the one to do it with. Like yes. th- no question.
1: Yeah. In fact, I would. It's better than Fate of the Furious was. Yep. Right? And also, I would venture to say, the one. Remark about this series that has lost its credence with me is anyone who expresses skepticism that they're going to be able to top what they've done previously, Uh (laughs) because the different ways and degrees in which this movie tops what has come previously and the genre cycle discourse that it has with the previous movies inspires utter confidence in me in terms of its continuing ability to push uh, the envelopes of ad absurdum, ad infinitum, you know, ad celeram, ad furiosum, right? (laughs) Like, uh, or however it would go, right? Like, like this movie, the the movies obviously get to a point where they become Baroque and parodic, right? And and, uh, we're way past the point of any sort of realistic engagement with you know, Los Angeles street racing as a broader culture, right? Or street racing in general. Right. And, uh, but, but it is, but definitely if it does nothing else and it does a lot else, it continues to justify the bigger number after the word. (laughs) (laughs) Like that is not the problem. If you're like, man, I feel like the moment we all had with that was with the submarine when it's like, wow, they're just able, when they're racing, when they're racing a submarine with cars. Right. <laughs> they're like, oh, man, you know, uh, the fact that they can do this is showing a virtuosity in the ability to continue to raise the stakes. Right. We're at Dragon Ball Z levels of car utilization and beyond. Uh, but thats not, I didn't come here to call it absurd because I think a lot of people you can go to a lot of podcasts which will say that it's a great popcorn movie and it's uh. You know, that it's, oh, man, it's great fun. It makes no sense and all this other stuff. That's not what you're going to get here, right? F9 is a precision instrument. <laughs> right? It is finely tuned. It is incredibly ornate, right? It is very complicated. Uh, and and I believe it is super smart in the ways in which it seeks to be super smart. And it makes sacrifices along the way to get there. But I want to talk about F9 this work of art, right. That has been put together that inspires such glee and joy. And as with most fast and the furious movies, at least the ones since at least seven, uh, even though I would retroactively apply it back to Tokyo drift, I want to talk about what I i have come to term the Justin Lin geometric orienting principle, uh-huh. right. Or also the, uh, the, 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 Jill Gop, right. Is that a good, is that a good way to, to call it the JL Gop? um, Sure the, the i g- mean g- sort g- of the, the,
0: the the you're talking about we talked about i guess it was seven uh the um the thesis statement right yes. or the the it's not really a thesis statement it was a it's a proposition right so like yes. proposition cars can't fly right yes. and the and and this uh this film's um <laughs> this film's technique is to say i sir shall take the con <laughs>
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So so I would posit that one of the big challenges in modern action movies in terms of making them interesting, enjoyable or any good is the compulsory need to continue to populate them with action sequences. Right. Uh, To the point where I think you've commented, this especially jumps out in the TV shows that are cinematic in nature, like. I always want to call it Captain Falcon and the Witcher Soldier. Falcon Pudge! Uh, but uh, the Falcon <laughs> and the Witcher Soldier, where the show probably would have been better if it didn't have as many fights. Right. But it has to have the fights, right? And and uh, you hear and and you think about instances of like, okay, well, they must have come up with this idea for this action sequence to explain and justify this movie. And then a lot of the plot kind of snakes around and kind of... Meanders and dawdles, and eventually you get to the big action sequence that—that is the reason you did it. The—the biggest criminal in this whole case is probably Alien versus Predator, right? Where and there is one big fight scene that is worth watching between the Alien and the Predator, and the rest of it is just treading water in Antarctica, where it's very cold, right? Um, And so it might have been the Arctic, uh, you know. Don't at me. Uh, You can at me. Here's the thing. If I ever say don't at me, I don't mean it. You can always at me. (laughs) I am always at a ball, right? Uh, But at any rate, okay, the point is that I love Justin Lin as an action movie director because I have become, and in that love, I have become convinced that he has a philosophy of action movie direction, which communicates a relationship between the action sequences and the characters, right? Uh Which helps ground the characters in the movie. And the the there's, not the there's not the usual psychodramatic notion of arc, although that's also present, right? The idea that each character has to change, right? There's a beginning, middle, and an end. I mean, yes, that this stuff all happens. But but if you were to just do that, then it becomes really hard to continue to keep a character psychologically grounded when they're, like, catapulting through space in a Pontiac Fiero, right? Uh-huh. It's like it's hard to continue to, like – this. then you get into sort of Johnny Depp, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, land where the – the psychological justification just sort of feels out of place, right? The way I think Justin Lin does it is that the movies have this geometric organizing, orienting principle, which applies both literally and figuratively to the movie. And by literally and figuratively, that's a little imprecise. What I mean is it applies uh, in terms of the orientation of objects in space in the action sequences and how the action sequences are are composed, comprised, right, of objects in space, right? And that, that move in a particular way, that are juxtaposed in a particular way, there's always motion because it's an action movie, right? And so the motion has a certain theme and then the action sequences get to explore the themes of that motion, right? Uh, sorry, the variations on that theme of motion. And then the characters emotionally, symbolically and figuratively, Explore the sort of adjacent synonymous notion mm-hmm. associated with the spatial orientation. Uh, so, for example, right? For example, uh, Star Trek Beyond, right? Justin Lin movie, great movie, totally underrated. The or, the spatial Do you remember the spatial or the uh, geometric organizing principle, orienting principle of that movie?
0: Was this the this was the one with with Idris Elba in it, wasn't it? Yes, and yes, they, yes. Okay, and it was like. Yeah, it was like zero gravity or something like that. Yeah, or like, yeah, yeah okay. you get
1: far enough out into space and you don't know which way you're going. Oh,
0: that's the one. Yeah. Cause I, I was yes. thinking, yes, I, I reread yes. Ender's game recently just for fun. And I was thinking about that. And like the one of the, the first insights in that, that, that little Ender has is that there is no up or that you have to right. like, you, you, sh- you can choose an up that is, that is best ad hoc to your, you know, tactical situation. And so, yeah, out, out there, there is no out there is no up. Up.
1: Yes. So you have action sequences that take place in mazes. You have action sequences that take place in zero gravity, right? The big climactic fight is Captain Kirk maneuvering in the the uh, the what the moment of inertia of a giant rotating space station, mm. right? So that he is weightless, effectively weightless, I guess. And and please, at me to get the physics right here. But he's, he's at that sort of center point of a rotating object where he's not being subjected to any centripetal force. Th- forces that aren't being counteracted by other centripetal forces. And so he has to maneuver, which is uh, metaphorically and symbolically displayed by his own sense of uh, directionlessness in his career, right? Hitting the point where he is as a captain, not really knowing what he's supposed to do with himself and feeling lost, right? And so the movie hangs together because the action sequences and the character sequences, right? These sort of character journeys have a geometric commonality. Right. And, and I find with the Justin Lin movies that when I say hang together, what I really mean is if you watch the movie in this way, I just keep discovering these little moments of beauty that are and poetry that are just so wonderful. And I love so much. And at this point, maybe I made this all up in my head and it's all just confirmation bias. But I, it comes up too often for me to really feel confident that I've made it all up in 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 tokyo drift right it's about drifting you have yeah. cars that drift are drifting and you have a protagonist who's a drift and it's sort of like uh the young people are adrift right and and they uh they're all kind of like Moving, you know, moving sideways, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? It's it's the the notion of drifting is enough to communicate what needs to be done. And so there's lots of like dark mounted roads and crowded parking garages and everybody's driving sideways and nobody knows who, what anybody else is supposed to do and everybody is kind of marooned, right? Everybody's a little bit lost. Mm-hmm. In in uh, well, Furious Six is like a mirror movie, right? Uh, from Fast and Furious Six is a mirror movie with a good team and a bad team. We'll skip over that one because I don't think it really sticks to the landing, and I'd have to rewatch it with this in mind. At Furious 7 is the one about cars can't fly, which is about cars falling out of skyscrapers, planes, right, down mountains, yep. right, which is about about cars falling, right, which is also about the death of Paul Walker and, and kind of about the, the sort of, uh, you know, what goes up must come down, right, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, Fate of the Furious... Um. Oh man, *Fate of the Furious*. I, I, I can, I can't remember that movie too well at this point. I should have, I should have rewatched it or reconsidered it. Uh, but let's skip that for the moment, right? Um. Uh, but *F9*, right, has a super clear intro scene, not the intro intro scene, but it has a super clear *Downton Abbey* moment that feels very much like the cars can't fly *Downton Abbey* moment of *Furious 7*, which uh articulates. In, in, and I think no uncertain terms what this geometric orienting principle is. Now, in the spirit of, of course, of a Downton Abbey moment, what I mean is that in the show Downton Abbey, if you kind of want to know what any given episode is really concerned with, yes, it's all present in the big plot lines. But if you really want to know, look for a conversation that doesn't matter, right? That isn't related to the plot that's about hats or about, you know, gossip about neighbors or about, you know, the tea set or something. And, and that will provide you with a particular doorway to, to interpretation for all this. And so, Matt, do you know, we know with a, the conversation i'm talking about here
0: the one the one that they have about the tea set
1: <laughs> in f9 yes. yeah in f9, they have about yeah the, when, he- when helen Mirren goes to high tea at the ritz right exactly right? And, and they uh,
0: they sits that da- sits down and and uh she says to vin diesel well my my you're underdressed and uh <laughs> it's a whole uh you know it's a whole thing about class consciousness right
1: no 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 oh no, no. sorry
0: no that's sorry that's a it's a, a different movie
1: no, no. They in this movie they get into a McLaren, right? At high speed. <laughs> yes, and try, yeah, try, right. Yes. So, so early in the movie, this movie, of course, marvelously opens up with a sort of days of thunder ford versus ferrari you know dusty soft focus car racing flick that would you know it's it's like you're changing channels between a flashback into uh into the past into young dom toretto's life uh and does by the way
0: it opens with the the old the like the vintage universal logo um though it's animated like the grainy the grainy one that we remember from our childhood though it's animated uh with the like the sunrise effect da 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 as that flies around the image that you get at the end is is the the vintage one marred marred only by the the uh explanatory text a comcast company down at the bottom <laughs>
1: the, the fast and the furious franchise continues to do for movies what the oscars say they do right, right? <laughs> which is to to glorify and justify their their privacy and historicity as an art form right um but but after that whole flashback you you get to a scene with dom toretto and his son brian who, of course, was revealed in the previous uh, previous movie as being the son of the Brazilian cop that we meet in Fast Five, right, who is now dead because she can't still be in it because Letty had amnesia. OK, fair enough. <laughs> but but let's let's put aside a lot of what's happened in the past movies, because this isn't a movie that's primarily concerned with the past movies of Fast and the Furious, right? It's concerned in a larger sense with a lot of sort of cinematic and heroic pasts. But this isn't going to be exploring a lot of the continuity of the previous movies, I'll just say. Mm. But at any rate, Dom is working on an old – it's a tractor, right – that they're on like a farm. Tom lives in like the boonies now. He's hiding out. He's off the grid, right? Because Cipher is tracking him. So Charlize Theron's evil hacker, or what have you. Uh, he lives off the grid with his with his wife, presumably, and and uh, his his son. And he's teaching his son how to mend an engine. And he's asking his son for a particular socket wrench handle, right? Uh, and the, and the son gives him one. And he says, "Are you sure?" Right. He asks for a particular set of of dimensions for it. My son's like five, right? Uh Like he's, he's not old enough to be doing this. So it's, you know, he's going to be muddling through it. It's a nice moment. He's enjoying himself. He gets to feel included, but like, he's not learning really how to fix a car. He's spending time with his dad. And he says, are you sure? And he's, and he says something to the effect of like in life, you have to be precise. Right. Yep. And, And that I think is the organizing geometric orienting principle throughout this movie is this dual notion, this connected notion of are you sure and precision, right? The idea of being either just right or just a little off, right? And and, and that this has, you can think about this as having you know, geometric ideas of motion that can be thrilling and exciting, right? On the edge, this is a movie that is on the edge, right? This and then and so much of the action in this movie takes place on the edge of things. It is a car driving movie about driving on the edge of things. Dom Toretto's father's crash happens because he's riding the outside line, right? He's riding the edge of the line, and and he just he's just a little bit off, right? There's, there, and you find out later in the movie, there's all these little things about it that are just a little bit off, right? He has this hairline uh, cut in his fuel line that's supposed to help him throw the race, but it's just a little bit off and it causes his car to explode. But yeah. at first, it looks like he's driving – that he's holding the line in the race and he's just a little bit off and it causes his car to explode. Uh, and so you have a situation where there's so many little moments of precision, right? And of things and, – and also of things just being a little bit different – than what they were supposed to be or what you thought they were and that posing a big problem right like like i thought this was x the the moment where i knew that my thesis about the movie was the right one mm. is when they're approaching the rope bridge uh-huh. right and they're approaching the rope bridge and Ramsey, AKA Missandei, uh, you know, herald of Daenerys Stormborn, a you know, breaker of change, mother of dragons, uh, of the great grassy queen of the, of the, Regressi, queen, of, yeah, the queen, of queen of the Andals
0: of, and the first man. And the, the, Roinar, don't the, forget Roinar. the Roinar,
1: everyone, everyone <laughs> forgets the Roinar. We all wish we could re- forget the Roinar. <laughs> Dorn joke. Um, so, uh, but at any rate, um, she's like, she's like, Oh, look there. This looks like a bridge across the ravine. Right. And mm-hmm. I thinking, it's not going to be a bridge, right, <laughs> because it looks like a bridge. And we said that. Are you sure that's just the right socket wrench? Right. Uh, and it turns out she's like, oh, I said it looked like a bridge. And it's this flimsy rope bridge that can't carry their cars across. It's just a little bit off. Right. And then, of course, they 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 push everything to the limit. Right. They ride the line. Right. They, they, they sort of hold their I mean, even just driving through those mountains, you can see uh, which has to be CGI because it would not be safe, right? The dirt falling off the side of the mountain as the tires kind of edge a little bit off the side of the dusty mountain roads, a right? too close, yeah, um, to where it's eroding or falling a little, away. Yeah. R- driving just fast enough to outrace the landmines right? Just ride in that line, right? But what are it's, we going to, yeah. How fast do we have
0: to have to do half second? How can we cover 50 feet in a half a second? Uh, it's about 80 miles an hour.
1: That's all yeah. right. Yeah. One of the many, uh, movies that is in the sort of DNA of this movie. And I, I guess I, this is something for a little later bef- when we get to it, but, uh, Keep an eye out for Back to the Future references in this movie because there's a bunch of them. Uh, but uh, but at any rate, sorry. So, Matt, I mean, that was my organizing principle for the movie, the orienting principle, that the characters all have to deal with being a little bit off from what they thought they should be or what they thought they were or somebody else who's a little bit off of something and it posing a problem, right? Uh, something's a little bit wrong um, or something is just right, like you're precise and you've got just the right thing right? Um, this is a movie where the crew almost goes without Dom, right? Which would have been, as you know, a relatively small change, but a fatal mistake, right? Like if Don just hadn't participated in the events of this movie, which almost happens because they need a babysitter, and they forget that Paul Walker is available to babysit for the entire movie. <laughs> but um, oh, anyway, sorry.
0: But that's sweet. I actually thought I, I took that... that sorry, bad. this is a sidebar. I took that very early on as a... Like, uh, as a message, as kind of a, a signal from the filmmakers that children would not be in peril in this film as they were in the fate of the, in the fate of the furious. Because if Brian is watching them, that means that they have you know, divine protection as it were.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's an angel watching over. Yeah. And they had, they
0: had sort of plot armor, you know, in that particular, uh, given, given that particular thing. So I, it actually has kind of set me at ease. Um, though, though, the uh the action scene with with Jason Statham and the the uh little baby uh, carrier was pretty awesome in Fate of the Furious as yeah, he like yeah. you know rolls around the as it like slides around the plane and he <laughs> keeps catching it and dive rolling around it and
1: stuff <laughs> that was so great and stuff like uh, that. Yeah, but so, so I guess to articulate it, and again, Matt, I mean, first of all, I'll say, does this resonate at all with your viewing of the movie? Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of
0: like, uh, you know, the, we have to be the precision, you know, the, the precision in all things. And, um, there's like, uh, and, and then the kind of the ultimate, the ultimate, are you sure really is our, our questions of the self, uh, all the way to the very beginning of the franchise when, you know, Paul Walker, you know, needs needs to kind of make the decision. Um, Paul Walker, peace be upon him, decides to give Dom his car, you know, it's like I owe you a 10 second car and and not only like allowing him to get away, but also framing it in the kind of the reciprocal honor language you know, of the, the culture in which he had been an interloper and had been kind of an intruder, really, because he was undercover, you know, that right. like, and he was a little off. He was, he didn't understand quite about himself and something crucial about himself into, into that moment. And I think that, that this, um, you know, there are dramatic ones like Han is alive, you know, that's like, you know, Han's dead. Are you sure? <laughs>
1: you know? Uh, yeah.
0: You know, or that uh that Jacob. Um why why is the evil brother always named Jacob? Just just wondering. Um the
1: There's there's an answer to that. Yeah, right? I'm
0: sure it's in the
1: box. It's all a reference to Jacob have I loved, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. That's a that's a deep middle school cut. That's you know. Um
1: twilight are you on team to there's only really two teams ever, right? <laughs> Take team Jacob and team uh What's his name? Yeah, exactly. Team Alfred team. What's his name? Oh my god, what's the name of the vampire? Team I can't white, remember. Team White White Guy from Tenet. <laughs> no, 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 not Robert Pattinson The character. He played Edward. Edward. Team Edward. Team Edward and Team Jacob. Yep. There it is.
0: Um, there yeah, they they were yeah, uh, Edward, the the icy cold the vampire who was icy cold to the touch. Or Jacob, who was uh who was always, I think in the novels described as like hot uh to the touch. They they were really, Pete, a kind of um you know, kind of melody or uh, perhaps a, a chanson or a um a song of of ice and anyway the
1: um yeah think i think it's a play on jacob and esau
0: yes that's i mean i think <laughs> that's the 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 original origin right, right, right. as as opposed to the non original origin <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, all these. Do you things think have, Edward Cullen is Esau? Oh my goodness, that's ha, crazy. They have
0: original origins and and unoriginal origins. Origins yeah. without the the original property of originness. Let's um. But wait, uh, f f nine. There, there yeah. were there were a couple others. I mean, the the sort of stated thesis statement was, Dom, you don't have to be the stronger man. You have to be the bigger man. Um, right, right, and that you know that's uh, I was trying to sort of track that and see how it played out over the course of the movie, but then I also like so much of this stuff has to do so so much of the action sequences in this movie used magnets um mm-hmm. they were used on a macro and a micro. Level like, uh, micro to like get to disarm people holding, you know, metal firearms. And then on a macro level to kind of move cars around and crash through buildings and like, uh, you know, disrupt trucks and, and stuff like that. Like, um, that I, I was thinking about like the, the principles, principles of attraction, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, like electromagnetic force and the, the, um, uh, Gravitational force, right? Because when Roman and um, and Ludacris, when Roman, what, we, <laughs> what, what is his character? His name, name? is Ludacris. <laughs> <laughs> why? What kind of, how am I not? He's been in the, the, the movies since <laughs> what? Number two? Number two. He's in Two Fast Two Periods. Tej. Tej? Yeah. Okay, there you go. When yeah. Roman and Ludacris were in. Yeah. The, <laughs> The, he, you know, uh, it was des- described, um, as will be in permanent freefall, right? And the mm-hmm. idea of, the idea of like permanent freefall is also a kind of orbit, you know, around mm-hmm. the, the, the planet. But there is that like, there's that gravitational attraction and then there's the electromagnetic, Um, there's that electromagnetic attraction, which is much, much stronger, you know, uh, that like is these things are, are manipulated over the, over the course of the, over the course of the film. And that like the idea of kind of families that adhere and then kind of like release a little bit, like the, the set of the relationships among the crew, you know, or, um, the relationships between the characters, even between Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez, uh, where they're like, "Is this us? Is this us?" You know, and they they seem to kind of like they seem to like let go, but then like readhere over the uh, a couple times in a couple different ways over the course of the movie as they like separate or threaten to separate and come together and separate and come together, you know, for for plot reasons or or things mm. like this. So i I was thinking about speci- spatially. I was thinking about the magnets a lot. Mm. Like the how do they work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah it's uh it's a mystery. Um it's a, it's a mystery that none of these uh, insane these insane clowns in this crew can can
1: possibly solve. So so one sequence that I love with this with this theme, right, that we're talking about, these sort of spatial themes, the Edinburgh sequence, right, Sure. which I'm going to I want to end it with a wonderful joke that I hope is in this movie on purpose. But if it isn't, is in this movie on, by accident, right, which is when you think about they go to Edinburgh because uh, they the other half of the Aries is there and they're going to try to intercept John Cena, John cena as he's trying to steal this other half of it right that's what they're trying to do yeah and there's a sequence where uh, it is i mean
0: i suppose it is in some sense a, a movie about two dragons fighting over a pearl
1: <laughs> yeah that is true that's actually very true yes um yeah. where Ludacris and roman right Ludacris and Tej and roman Ludacris and tyrese are walking and they see the delivery man right and the deliver, and they they've realized that something in the area is jamming their electronics, and making it hard for them to track uh, the people that they're trying to track, and so. Roman realizes that the delivery men aren't really delivery men because they have cauliflower ear indicating that they're fighters. Right. They've been punched in the ear. And so they have a little uh, they have deformation in their ear cartilage from fighting, which, by the way, there's a great shot later in the movie where they really focus on John Cena's cauliflower ear. Uh, and I'm sure that that's not by accident. Um, and so it is much lighter. It's not very major. He's only a little bit of it. But he's taken he's taken some bumps. Um, but OK, those delivery men aren't quite right. Those aren't the right delivery men. Right. They go over there and they're standing by the delivery truck. And Ludacris is like, yeah, this doesn't really seem like the right thing. And then his his chain comes off. Right. Because his chain isn't really silver, right? Because it, silver's not magnetic, mm. right? And so they discover – so they, they find the drivers because the drivers aren't quite drivers. The chain comes off because the chain isn't quite silver. They go into the truck where they're waylaid by, by the henchmen, right? And Ludacris says to everybody, certainly out of the six of us, we could work this out, right? When he says this, how many people are in the truck? Seven. Uh. Right. <laughs> because because uh, Ramsey, a.k.a. missande has just tra- crawled into the driver's cabin. Right. And so she. Is able to start the car and foil everything for everybody and get the magnets going. They're about to embark on a high speed chase, except it turns out that Dom has one person in his crew who doesn't have a driver's license, yep. right? Who is who is Ramsey, right? And so, and meanwhile, John Cena is navigating the skies of Edinburgh with like elaborate zip lining, right? Which which I can't imagine is either the fastest nor least conspicuous way to navigate Edinburgh, right? Like, but he's doing it regardless, right? He's got like a sort of zip line sniper rifle that he's using to go from building to building to building. And then Vin Diesel is trying to track him on the ground. And uh, he's
0: he's found the spike equilibrium of that particular.
1: (laughs) And then the thing that really sells it is that when you're having the chase scene go on, uh, Otto, the Belarusian heir, right, the sort of uh, Belarusian uh, aspiring nouveau riche uh, son who wants to be who wants to be king, uh, he is in the wrong lane. So he can't participate in the chase, right? And so there's all these like thing after thing after thing where it's either like super precise or something is just like a little bit off. Um, and I want to ask you, Matt, why is this scene shot in Edinburgh? Why did they even do this in Edinburgh? Well,
0: I, I mean, I probably the geography of it, right? They're all going down a, a, a long, a long hill. But is there a, is there a historical reason why it's in Edinburgh that I don't know, Pete?
1: Well, what's the most famous thing that happens in Edinburgh?
0: Oh, well, there's a. a theater festival what's it called oh it's called the edinburgh fringe festival yeah what's a fringe matt (laughs) it's
1: it's the the edge it's it's, the boundary it's what oh it's what
0: it's what they call bangs that's what they call that's what the british call bangs somewhere
1: Uh, in my mind there's like a whiteboard where they just wrote out all the different variations of like on the edge Right? And like synonyms and action sequences they could think of. We could be on the edge of space. We could be on the edge of a mountain. We can, you know, we could be on the edge of what? Like, uh, I mean, the edge of glory. No, um, we could we could be we could be just. Barely getting by a minefield, we can have things that are flying in the wake of the cars, like it just not hitting us. Sure, right? Da, we can um, have
0: we can have Dom show up at the the last possible minute. We can have uh, L- uh, Letty dive into the dive into the pool to rescue him from drowning at the last possible second. The you know the we can have the the final like two two unit semi truck jackknife not horizontally but vertically. <laughs> I
1: think <laughs> those are stretches, but yes, definitely. I hear you saying. I hear you saying uh but yeah but i guess i hope that on somewhere someone wrote fringe festival right as like a joke because this takes place during the i think this takes place during is it Edinburgh? or Edinburgh, or is this is it i think it depends on your accent fair enough i think this happens during the fringe festival though because there's a bunch of people in funny costumes running around <laughs> well, <laughs> i don't know it's, and what europe, is this it's movie it's a fringe festival what right?
0: is what is europe but a bunch of funny people <laughs> in funny costumes <laughs> running around hello to our
1: european listeners <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not, it's not necessarily a funny costume, but like, think about the jewel heist, right? Something that takes precision. There's like a, this is a movie that has like a super elegant jewel heist in it, right? With it, with a very smooth, precise getaway drive by an elegant British Dom, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, do you want my sons? And it's like, you know, no, what, no, what does he I'm, say? I'm,
0: uh, no, I'm here for someone else or someone something, yeah. something like that. <laughs> And yeah, she's looking, yeah, really, Dave Maggie Smith uh, looking, not Maggie Smith, Maggie Smith is the Dowager Countess, Dame Helen I wish, Mirren. <laughs>
1: I wish it was Dave Maggie Smith. That would have been amazing. Oh,
0: my God. I wish they were a, a partner. in
1: 60 seconds. Hey-oh.
0: <laughs> you, uh, you got me confused with the Downton Abbey reference. Uh, right, right, right. Reference earlier. No, no it's Helen queen. Mirren. Yes, yes, it's the queen. Yeah, and she's... Uh, yeah, she's, uh, looking real good, driving, driving the hell out of that car. And, you know, uh, she's, uh, she's helping Dom out. Are you sure she's helping him out? You know, that's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. and then, then like, I mean, it is, you know, when you think of like a bait and switch that like, are you sure? Is that your final answer? You know, the, uh, I was, um, The, uh, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna shoot John Cena in the, in this elaborate hallway that looks like something out of a John Wick movie, (laughs) you know, like in this, uh, while he's standing at the end of the bar and then like. Oh, he has a gun, but I'm grabbing his gun. But he has another gun, but I have another gun. But the, the right. Oh, if we're not going to shoot him. Are you sure? Oh, there's a uh, Inter- Interpol officers here. Are you sure? You know, no, they're they're
1: not. <laughs> they're not, they're not that Interpol at all. officers. They're undercover Cardi B <laughs> criminal gang that is friends with Tom Toretto. Yes. Oh, I love it. Because here's the thing, right? The villains in these kinds of movies have to exemplify some sort of counter thesis, right, to the main thesis, right? Like the, the villain in Star Trek Beyond is somebody who wants there to be no direction, right? He wants there to be no Federation. He wants there to be chaos, right? Um, and in this case, if if the villain is not John Cena but Otto, right, and, and then by an extension Cypher – Otto doesn't just get everything a little bit wrong. Otto gets everything extremely wrong, right? Like, and that's kind of his thing is he's just like, just totally disregards the details because he's this rich boy who can just pay off any sort of problem. Right. And, and well, it's, right. It's he's not, a clown. Yeah. He's a
0: clown. He's like, get Chewbacca, you know, he's a clown.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. So, okay. Side note. Isn't that scene amazing? Yes. That scene is absolutely amazing. Absolutely. I love that scene so much. That, that was so wonderful. That the, your uh, Yoda scene. Yeah, the year Yoda scene. Oh, it was so great. In in the back channel, because I didn't want to spoil the movie for everybody in our little Slack channel where we talk about these movies before we talk about them. <laughs> I just did. I just did images. I did not do. I didn't want to write down anything because I didn't want to spoil anything for anybody who felt tempted to look. And the first image was of like a rubber Yoda hand puppet. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like just making like a really rough face, like a Kermit the Frog face. Um, if you're listening to this and you don't, and you didn't see the movie, uh, okay. I guess this is so many things we're
0: we're probably at the, we're probably at the, the, the point where it doesn't make sense to you. If you haven't seen the movie, that's true. That's several other movies as well. Yeah.
1: Ziplining and whatnot, but anyway, including gone in
0: 60 seconds or uh, for for
1: example, like what's a little bit off a Mexican flag in the window in Tokyo, right? That's a little bit off. Um, but one of the other explorations in this movie that runs as a bigger theme, which I think stands out pretty obviously for any everybody is this interrogation that happens through the movie of what kind of, what heroes are the fast and the furious crew. Mm-hmm. Right. At this point, what ha, it's this like, there's a great Saturday night live sketch about this, which is called what have you become? Right. It's a Christoph Waltz game show uh-huh. where he's like, it's like, Oh, what, what have you become? And he's like, Oh my God, I've wasted my life. Right. Yeah. Um, this is the, the this is, this movie poses the question to Dom and his crew, what have you become in a meta-cinematic, meta-theatrical, meta-entertainment sense, right? Because, it start, because the John Cena presence is to say, no, Dom, you're not a super spy. I'm the super spy. I'm like the Jason Bourne guy. You're not, right? Mm. You're something else, right? Which is like at this point, we've gotten to a point where we're comfortable with the idea that Dom Toretto is somehow James Bond or Triple X, which he is not, right? And so with that sort of set aside, you're not the super spy. You know, Kurt Russell, the secret shadow leader of the CIA, is not going to be around for this movie to like assist you with things. What are you, right? Uh, and there's just a bunch of different movie and television heroes that get brought up as potential alternatives to, that could be what the Fast and the Furious crew are. Right, but they're not, uh, which is great, and it's sort of peppered through the dialogue, through the symbolism. Right? Who are you? Where? Where? What are you doing? I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not that. Uh, and one of the big ones is this conversation that Otto has with Charlize Theron about Star Wars. Right? Where it's like, "Are oh, we the good guys? Uh, I, you're you're the villain. You've just made a critical error. Right? And it's uh, well, I, I'm not the bad guy. I'm the good guy. I'm Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm Han Solo because I'm a rogue. I'm a rakish rogue. No, you're Yoda because you're a puppet with, you know, a hand up your butt. Um, I just I have to say it. I have to say it. It's so great. Um, I mean, Matt, you heard a bunch of the other ones, too, I'd assume. Right. Like, But
0: that, that I, I heard much of the dialogue in this film. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: time, uh, Roman does a lot of this. He's the character who's usually interrogating why they are superhuman over the course of the movies. Um, and because uh, he's also the one who has the most human appetites. And uh, literally for food. And so he compares them to the Ninja Turtles. He contrasts them to the Ninja Turtles, yep. right? They have a layer in the sewers, but if a Ninja Turtle jumps out, I'm out of here. Uh, he he has this running thing where he thinks that they're superheroes, but he won't say the word, right? Like, are we superheroes, right? Are, is this a Marvel movie? And it's, it's not, right? Um, there's a whole... Back to the Future thing happening <laughs> with with both with the fact that the cars have to go over eighty miles an hour and the fact that there's this like retro eighties sports car that's been fitted with crazy technology to travel sure. to crazy uh, well, places.
0: It was also Pete. It was um uh. It was not remarked on in the movie, but the precise power that you need to get a magnet
1: that powerful.
0: <laughs> it's one point twenty one gigawatts.
1: <laughs> That is, of course, a plot for Breaking Bad, the giant (laughs) magnet in the truck. But I don't think that was but but the the Asian scientist who's working with Sean and Bow Wow, who has come back to the franchise (laughs) and to the public eye. Amazing. Right. Bow Wow is back. uh, But the scientist working with them is dressed like Marty McFly. He has Uh like an 80s style shirt with a a red vest over it. Right. As he's built as they're building this like crazy, technologically advanced, totally dangerous slip, you know, slapdash sort of car. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just, there's, and also the whole plot of the whole thing is the plot of the pilot episode of Darkwing Duck, uh, but, uh, uh, which by the way, have you, have you seen the pilot episode of Darkwing Duck no, recently? No, I mean, certainly not recently. It's the Han plot, right? Is, is that like, uh, the, the concept with Darkwing Duck, right? Is that, you know, yes, he's a hero, but he stumbles, he's, he's kind of small time and he stumbles upon this super weapon. Right. This sort of plot to unleash this super superweapon. But the superweapon we- can't be activated because the key to activating it has been lost. Right. And the scientist who developed it, uh, I believe, is dead, is gone. Right. And nobody can figure out uh, what the key to the superweapon is. And Darkwing Duck, out of the kindness of his heart, uh. happens upon his like orphan daughter or granddaughter. Right. Um, and takes her under his wing. And realizes that she knows the key to the super weapon. Uh, spoilers for the pilot episode of Darkwing Duck. Um, uh, in a in a lullaby that her grandfather sang to her when she was a baby or when she was a small child, right? Um, and, and so this is of course the plot of this movie, where like Han is saves this little girl and she's the key to the super weapon, but he lives in the shadows, right? And and so like. Um, but i think more writ large not to say he's specifically darkwing duck but like han is the sort of noirish batmanish kind of hero in this movie right mm-hmm. he's like he doesn't have the superpowers but he has a high powered sniper rifle he has sort of a leon the professional slash like sort of you know tequila yen chow yun fat vibe going also well of, yeah
0: because yeah. he he takes the you know he takes the young girl who's the survivor of her parents assassination under his wing and like trains her as yeah. uh you know as a an ass-kicking martial arts uh
1: badass and and yeah I, li- I like how you just recite that. And it's like very specifically both exactly what we're talking about. And also the plot of this movie, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, the, you don't have to stretch, right? It's like, this is a movie that has like crazy rocket scientists building an alternate eighties DeLorean out of a Fiero to go to outer space. Uh-huh. And also a hard boiled plot about an orphan girl raised as an assassin, right? <laughs> by, by like an alienated enemy of the Yakuza hiding out in Tokyo after faking his death. Right? <laughs> like, this is like, there's a lot going on with this movie. It's gorgeous, right? There's so much happening. Sure. Um I'm sorry. I could go out rapturously well, about no, it. Th- yeah, just I mean I heroes. think that
0: I think that's right. And you know, it actually what it does is it does them in a little bit it does them a little bit off, right? Like yeah. uh because, you know, Tyrese and Ludacris are our Han and Chewy or our Luke and R2D2 or something maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, Ludacris is is more the like the the R2 D2 like science, you know, navigation <laughs> navigation <laughs> um navigation
1: officer they're and also they, sandra bullock and george clooney in gravity which is amazing yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like they, legit like the plot of the movie gravity is in this movie
0: <laughs> It is. much of it happens off camera but the yeah. the
1: <laughs> you know. like it how is. many other oscar-winning films have their plot hidden somewhere in f9 <laughs> it's a the saga is all of us, right? Like it's our saga. We're the family. That's what a saga is. It's a multi-generational story about a family, and all the friends of the Fast and the Furious are the family. And it's our story. Well, that's so, um, so I mean like I'm
0: th- I'm interested in this because like I uh as it happens, I watched uh with uh, Christina and I watched um The Fast and the Furious over Friday and Saturday night. You know, uh, just to, to sort of prepare for this and get, get hype, as I believe the, the kids say. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we watched about the first half, the first night, and, uh, or the first third, the first night and the second two thirds, the second night. And I, you know, uh, like I, I, knew the film reasonably well because like we've watched it a lot. We did an overview of it and stuff, but it was Christina's first time seeing it. And, you know, she came around like from being kind of not that into it or even kind of alienated by some of the strangeness of it, because it is, it's a, it's a very weird film. And like a lot of this stuff, you don't think in, in a movie that, that has, you know, I don't know, a a punching fight on top of a moving truck right like you don't think that that franchise started with like Jordana Brewster carrying a a bowl of potato salad out of the <laughs> uh, out of the the house which she does again in this movie she shows up <laughs> to the final supper the cookout scene which you know has to end all of these she shows up with a bowl of potato salad, just as just as she walked out of that that house with a bowl of potato salad originally. Because it's
1: precise, Matt. Because life is about precision, and, right? Or precision is necessary in life, right?
0: And, and and alas, potato salad is not about precision, right? Like the well, amount no, of no. the amount of mayonnaise or the amount of like spice or the amount of salt that you put in a potato salad, and you know different herbs and stuff. Like you really can. Can, uh, it's, it's sort of an amorphous blob, you know, p- potato salad. But so, so we, we watched it and I was, you know, I was really caught up in it again. And like the, um, I don't know. It just, it just still works. And it, it reminds me of a, of a later film, but a, a film of, you know, what is maybe the same era of filmmaking. It, it reminds me a little bit of, of Iron Man. Um, in that, like, it launched this, you know, this incredible kind of phantasmagoria, right? That, that has had all kinds of different expressions, you know, Baroque expressions and, and, um, you know, fanciful expressions and, and comic expressions and, and, uh, dramatic expressions and, and, um, all, all these different things. But when you go back to it, it, when you go back and look at it, it's just so grounded. You know, it's like really, um, You know, it's, it's really grounded and you're, you're dealing with, you know, people who are, who are sort of traumatized either by watching their father die in a fiery crash or else, (laughs) you know, by, you know, by different, different things by sort of neuroatypicality or by being sort of shut out of the, um, yeah, the f- first dot com boom, you know, <laughs> like, and, and, uh, yeah, people who kind of, who kind of create, create culture for themselves. I was wondering if there was going to be a scene, um, like the scene in Havana that I think starts fate, uh, where it's like, it's again, it's like a drag race, you know, there and, and it's a party and there's yeah. racing at the party. Right. And there was, it's just that it was different. Uh, it was like back in the, it was like back in the eighties or something. Right. It was or back right. in the, back in the early nineties that, that this party, ha- that this party happened and like, okay, um that's. That's fine. I mean, but the, the, the party in this movie was the, the one where everyone was wearing white except all the women were wearing white and all the men were wearing black. Um, <laughs> no, did, did you notice that? It's I expected oh, yeah. Truman Capote to, to roll up. And that's why, that's how the, uh, the, the Cardi B army, uh, the Carmi, um, ended up fooling Uh, little Lord Fauntleroy and John Cena, they wore black. See, they wore black. And so they, they thought they were the doubtless male interpol (laughs) agents. And, uh, it turns, it turns out they, they were women and had been wearing white earlier and changed their, (laughs) changed their clothes, you know, so that's, uh, That that's that. So it's a it's sort of a different thing, but like um going back to going back to that house, right? Like going back to that street, the establishing shot and the like the golden light of sunset was very interesting because the house was under construction and it was clear that the neighborhood had gentrified a great deal with the like the fancy houses on either side rather than the old like LA craftsman architecture houses that maybe were a little uh a little tumble down now, or like uh maybe Maybe not in the best repair, but had that like you know authentic um, Los Angeles architecture character uh, that's been an important part of important part of movies since like mid century, since noir, you know. Um, but that like uh, it's it's been it's been all changed, you know. And that like that uh, that that but that it's important that this sort of return to that they return to that place you know because the i don't know i feel like the the movie is about what it's about like about family <laughs> yeah. About, yeah. No, I, mean, I, I think it, <laughs> it is, is a little bit about about family like the the but uh the, but family is such a big topic pete that there are different there's so many ways there's so many relations of aboutness to family you know that, <laughs> that you can do like the, the the last one was sort of about fatherhood you know and that like dom dom realizing that he had had a kid um you know, that, uh, in, in his, in the, the interregnum in the, in the, the, uh, post and pre Michelle Rodriguez years, you know, um, while she was, while she was amnesia brainwashed. Um, so that like, um, so that, you know, it's about, it's about fatherhood and what, about what, uh, um, what that, those sorts of obligations mean and what is it, what is Dom like, not as a kind of figurative paterfamilias, but as a, as an actual one, you know, and this one, uh, I don't know, like something about, something about brothers or something about, uh, something about like, mm, letting go of your your attachments to to the past you know like like stopping being stopping being defined by or at least kind of incorporating like like integrating somehow the things that that happened to you and sort of and sort of made you made you the way you are right like that that like the what what would he have been there there was a little talk about like what you know what would he have been if if uh his father hadn't died that way or like what the all the kind of the counterfactual stuff about like well what if it had what if it had gone differently like a good a good child should say no and it's like well no that's that's actually not that's that's the wrong <laughs> the wrong way around right like the good parent shouldn't require morally repugnant things of their uh of their child but that you know like uh deliberately sabotage my car okay. uh, even, uh even if the the tragic result was the result kind of an av- of of an accident but the uh you know d- w- w- accepting it's a, it's a movie about turning uh eh, it's a movie about turning your ghosts into ancestors you know mm-hmm. and that like um I think that like the, cause the, you know, Dom, Dom's really haunted by the, the ghost of the father and that like, uh, in, in the first film, he never drives that car. He never drives his father's car until the very end when he, when he has no other choice. And he says in the, uh, I live my life one quarter mile at a time thing. He says, uh, it scares the heck out of me, right? Like, uh, because I saw my father die and that, and this car is sort of too powerful and it has too many associations. He's actually pretty, uh, Pretty up on how traumatized he is by, you know, by what happened and, you know, the, the sort of the violence that it drove him to and the, right, this, we see d- depicted in this film some stuff that's described in, uh, in the first film when, when, uh, Paul Walker is starting to get, get close to Dom and like doesn't think, doesn't think he could be doing these robberies because he's too controlled. They show him pictures of the guy who he beat up, you know, and it's like he uh, put this guy in a wheelchair and he like, uh, you know, I don't know. He has to take the bus to work now. I think that's the, that's the big knock on this guy, that the consequences of, of Dom, you know, brutalizing him with a wrench is that he has to take the bus to work now, which is the worst thing you can do in the <laughs> the verse, right? Not,
1: not be able to drive. Yeah. So to build on what you're saying, yeah. I, I'm reminded, and this is something that I think has come up on the podcast a number of times. Um, and forgive me because I don't remember I don't remember the Thomas More priest's name. Oh man, I wasn't as close to him as you were, who passed recently. Oh, Bob Boulogne. Yeah, Bob Boulogne, he used to have a a thing he would say about sin, right? Uh huh. Where it was the the it was the arrow missing the mark. Yes. Right. That, that which, the idea, which, yeah. which I
0: think, I think he was, I think that was a, perhaps a misreading of the like the Aristotelian tragic flaw, uh, with the, the word for which in ancient Greek is, and, and please at me if it, to correct me, but, uh, something like hamartia or hamartia or however mm-hmm. it's pronounced, which means like aiming and missing, which means, Shoot, shooting wide, basically, right. you know? But
1: I think a strong misreading, perhaps. Yeah, sure. Um, but but the idea that the things that you do wrong cause you to not quite be the person that you should be, and and I get and all, for all meanings of those things, right? For your own happiness, for the the welfare of the people around you, for the people who depend on you, for for the ways that you can kind of contribute and, and kind of actualize yourself, all this stuff can be built on decisions where if you kind of make the slightly wrong decision, again, going back to the Justin Lin geometric organizing principle, right, you you pick the slightly wrong thing and you end up having a very different life maybe than you might have had. Right. And I think that this movie is about to an extent, the instead of how it is about confronting the past, it's about how the past, I think, has taken people off track of where they might be. And achieving some sort of forgiveness of that past sin, some sort of, you know, that idea you said of turning your ghosts into ancestors, some sort of, you know, expungement or some sort of, you know, recognition of the fact that you aren't where you need to be right so so i mean the way one of the ways this is communicated in the movie um and we can also use this to start talking about these wonderful wonderful flashback scenes to young dom and young john cena which don't feel at all connected to any of the other movies as far as i'm concerned but which are still wonderful for the sake of this movie right like i don't imagine young dom as he's been described as looking like that or acting like that right necessarily but maybe whatever it doesn't matter The, the point is that there's this moment Where young young Dom and young Jacob are in this race to determine whether they're going to stay brothers or not. Right. And 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 it it, there should stay brothers, because if there's one thing that we know about Dom is that he cares about family. Right. And he and he ought to care about family. Right. And and once you're family, you're family for life. Right. And uh, and so. But Jacob hits his Nas just a little bit too early. This movie's so great, right? He hits the Nas just a little bit too early. So Dom is able to win and Jacob is is cast out into the darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is, by the way, a movie in which Vin Diesel plays both Samson and Gilgamesh in a 45 second span. And also Tyrese Gibson does a joke Will Smith impression where he can't hold two guns behind a concrete wall because he's getting shot too much. Right. Like, but at any rate, but do you there's remember stuff this
0: is this like, uh, the that moment hitting the Nas too soon is a callback, mm-hmm. right? It's what to, happens to the first movie, right? To the first movie, it's what happens yeah. in the race between Jesse and Johnny Tran in in the first movie where Jesse sort of tragically loses in the. You know, in the, at, the at race wars, at, at the unfortunately yeah, named race wars, at the, at the perfectly <laughs> named race wars, right? Right. Uh, given that, you know, given that the villains in <laughs> this movie live in a pagoda under a statue of Confucius, that like, <laughs> you know, look, we're not saying it's a perfect franchise, <laughs> but that no, of course not, but the um, like in that, in that, you know, Jesse has this, this car and he's the, you know, um sort of the the neuroatypical sort of genius savant like uh mechanic and he has this this perfect car but and you know he's racing Johnny Tran in a Honda two thousand you know and that S li- two thousand yeah S <laughs> two thousand yeah and that like uh that uh well he's
1: a Johnny he's in a Jetta,
0: right?
1: He's Guess in, he's in Jetta, a Jetta, yeah, yeah and it's his
0: it's his dad's Jetta. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like the, the crucial detail is like, I'm going to win. I'm, I'm racing for slips. I'm going to win Johnny's car so that when my dad gets out of lockup, he and I can ride together. We we both have a car. <laughs> right, right. I'm doubling the number of cars so that we can, we can bond over this. Uh, I can bond over this later with, with, uh with my dad and he, you know, but Jesse hits the, hits the nose too soon. And, uh, You know, uh, Johnny is is uh, peaking just at the end of the the race when he goes. I mean, it's the same race, more or less. Almost almost completely. That
1: hadn't occurred to me. Yeah, it's like exactly the same. It's
0: exactly the same. And right. What Jacob does intentionally, which is drive away because he's been threatened by Dom or or that these are the stakes. He's accepted that these are the stakes. Jesse does. Because he's too overwhelmed to deal with the consequences of, uh, of what has happened, right? Right. He drives away and just keeps driving in the Jetta. Um, yeah, anyway. So it's, it, I mean, again, like it's really, really connected in to they, they definitely, uh, they definitely have seen the first movie. Um, (laughs) which, which is not the case with the creative teams on all of the films in this franchise.
1: Okay, so it take incoming, Matt. take incoming. Thinking uh-huh. about this. that's that's brilliant by the way. the The Jesse callback I didn't see that.'s it's only it's only because I watched it this weekend. Yeah. So John Cena in this movie is all the characters that we can't see or we haven't seen, right? Uh-huh. You can't see him. Uh, putting my hand in front of my face. So 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 John Cena's character, you have to think that he's something of a Paul Walker replacement. Because he's the, you know, he's the, like, white brother, right? Sure. And so, and he sort of, like, has similar sort of features in certain ways, not really in certain lights. But but the idea that he and Dom kind of reconcile as brothers— you know, Brian was always Dom's kind of reconciled brother, right? And so they, they, he's pl- and It's a very similar plot line that he plays through, where he's like he's a cop and he's a in law. You know, he's the spy or law or whatever, and he kind of sympathizes again with the uh, with Dom, even to the point of finding out that they're trying to rob a truck, right? That's, that's <laughs> driving down the street, and and they do the exact same thing. They drive the car up next to the truck, right? So so he's sort of Paul Walker. He's he's uh, he's sort of Jesse. Because when he's young, he 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 loses the race by hitting the Nas at the wrong time, drives away and is effectively dead to everybody. And he's driving Hans old Mazda RX eight. I want to say maybe RX seven. I think it's an RX eight. He's driving Hans old car from Tokyo Drift, which has come back even though it was on fire before. Right. And so he's the missing people. Right. He is the he's the return of the missing people. That are not here because of the things that have happened in the past and uh, it in, in, like writ large. Right. And that this is a, this is sort of like after all of the events that have happened and every and this whole journey they've come on this saga, if you will. Right. Dom finds himself in a totally different place in a totally different situation than he should be in. Right. This is I guess you could say looking at it this way, this is the movie about getting Dom from his off the grid shack. Right. Or his sort of farmhouse or wherever he's living in the wilderness back into that house in Los Angeles. Like that's that's the sort of because it's wrong, because it's not quite right. Right. And there's all these little things that are not quite right that need to be set right in order for Dom to go back to that house. One of those things is that, you know, cypher needs to be dealt with right? She wasn't dealt with in the last one. She's more dealt with now. But also, sort of,
0: like, I mean, sort of. Not like even, the, yeah.
1: yeah. But she needs to come back, right? Um, Han, so Han's death needs to be retconned, basically, right? Like, and I will say, I think uh, going into this movie, a lot of people that I talked to, or at least at least one specific person I talked to uh, who said it a lot, uh, was very skeptical that the the justification for Han not being dead was, was going to uh, feel at all justified, right? Um, I think it was pretty i thought it was pretty good yeah as as they could as it goes not bad it's not it's nothing like Letty's, where she's like oh no she has amnesia and is evil now right Right. like no 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 it's not like that it's like oh yeah you know by the way uh han's death was faked by the cia because he found us a super secret device right or whatever he he like honestly it's because his his wife was a cia operative which is totally feasible, right, Um, given – or like was an asset to the CIA, and she died. And so the CIA came looking for him and faked his death so that he could uh, serve this important purpose for uh, international um, spy-ness and and whatnot. Um, But yeah, but anyway, it's like how do we get to a place where everything makes sense, Well, everything is where it should be. And I think part of this is in this interrogation of like, did we become a superhero movie? Did we become a spy movie? Did we become Bad Boys 3 or Bad Boys 4 or Bad Boys 5? Right? Like, what did we become? Right? And the answer is like, well, we're just us. We've just been really lucky. Right, we we've managed to get through all these crazy things that have happened. Are we gravity? Are we Back to the Future? You know, are we Darkwing Duck? Yeah, are we are, are we in, Let's a, are we in a Jackie Chan movie? Right, where we reach for a a frying pan to hit someone with it, but we end up hitting them with a spoon. Right, like it's that. Yeah. What are we? Right. What have we become? Um, and it all gets set to right, even up to the point of that immaculate Nissan Skyline GTR. You know, in that blue. Pulling into that driveway. Right. Impossibly. Right. Impossibly. uh, Making sure that all is right with the world. Right. Right. But but the notion that there's this empty chair and you think, oh, is John Cena going to show up and sit in the chair because he's Dom's brother? And through everything else that happens, what does it mean when you're a brother? And of course, you know, I think our canon answer is the Robert Frost answer on this podcast. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right. Home is the yeah. Home, Home is the place where when you have to go there, they they have to give you a beer. Yeah, as long as it's a corona. As long right? as it's a, any beer you want, as long as it's a corona. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was wondering. You can wondering... take any
1: road in the yellow wood you want, but it has to be a
0: corona. <laughs> 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 uh, right, right. Well you can I mean the, actually, I mean, you're you're joking, but it's not it's not, not the moral of this movie that like you can take any road in the yellow wood that you want, but it has to have made all the difference. <laughs> 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 um the the yeah, I, I, w- I was wondering if uh, if there would be Coronas in the film, and there are full full product placement, like held held in the hand, so that the label you know uh, peeks over, so that you see the full logo, the full Corona
1: logo. On, it never uh, paid them before. It seemed like they paid them for this one, maybe because of the way it's shot. Of that, I yeah. don't think Corona ever paid them before for sure. any of that stuff. But and also, it's Corona because it's you know. Is Corona. Like, (laughs) like of all the things you got to think, I don't know, man, I am talking a lot because I'm very passionate about this movie and I love it. About Corona. I know. Well, I mean, let's talk about Corona, right? It's smooth. (laughs) Sometimes people use a little citrus. It's nice. Um, did, did you encounter Corona during Corona in an ironic or non-ironic context? Oh, that's interesting. No,
0: it did. I mean, it's more like, uh, more into Modelo myself, um, <laughs> for that, for, not, 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 not Modelo Negro, Modelo Especial, uh, the, for that style of beer, um, yeah. you know, so, uh, you are
1: Especial, Matt, you're <laughs> the only one like you, uh, but no, but I, 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 at one point I was getting takeaway food and someone walked out, this was back in like April, Uh, No, it must have been like it must have been like May of last year and somebody was bringing uh, brought a big case of Corona out and like everybody online in the parking lot, like applauded. But, uh, (laughs) But I mean, this movie was advertised as hashtag justice for Han and there's no justice for Han because it turns out nothing bad to Han ever happened. Right. Right. And so, like, do you think of all the things we've watched that were redone Or that had to be sort of changed because of COVID in some way. Uh Do you think this movie – does this movie feel to you as if it was significantly changed in, what, the year and a half since it was supposed to have come out? I don't
0: think Um, so. I mean I I can't think of anything that I felt like was – no, I mean, because it was, it was clearly shot at a time when people could actually, unlike, uh, Dr. Falcon and the, the soldier of destiny, the, Falcon um, kick! <laughs> but the, like, unlike that, where you saw, f- f- you could almost see the tape lines on the ground where it's like, okay, actors, six feet separation between, uh, between each of you. We're going to go to a wide open outdoor space. <laughs> and stand
1: and have a conversation. All right, we have to meet clandestinely, so we're behind a chain link fence. But we have to stand six feet apart, so we need to talk loudly to each other. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Yes, exactly. How will do you
0: think the heroes can foil our secret plot? I'm sorry, speak up. You're six <laughs> feet away from. I said, do you think the heroes can foil our secret plot? No, there was nothing. There was nothing like in the staging of it that smelled uh iffy to me i yeah. mean thematically i don't know this wasn't a movie like uh you know you're you're um i and i totally buy this even if it's just headcanon it's become my headcanon as well like your theory that um falcon and winter soldier was about like a super plague fighting a fighting a super plague and they just changed it because it was in extraordinarily poor taste right. um uh, Whereas
1: the Fast and Furious movies are never in poor taste, <laughs> <laughs> they are in many tastes. They are very flavorful. <laughs> it kind of kicks you in the teeth a little bit, um, but it's uh, you know the flavor is there. That's for sure. Um, oh man!
0: But that that yeah. like uh, I no I didn't I didn't get the sense like I mean I guess you know to, to this. Uh, to the extent that I have a, a a criticism, like something that was was less than satisfying. I think the like the choreography among the villains was felt like a waste of Charlie's Theron, you know, mm.
1: like she gets uh, that one wonderful scene and the rest of it. She's not in that much.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she doesn't get to like remember her as Furiosa. Like she's so dynamic, you know, she's yeah. so like. And, and, and it's a film that like allows its actors to be, it's a, it's a franchise and, and a director that allows its actors to be, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit hashtag iconic. Like when, when Dom is walking down the John Wick hallway, it takes, it takes him, you know, 30 or 45 seconds to traverse like eight meters. And, uh, it, and it's wonderful. Like he's, he's, he's walking. He's a panther. He's, a you know, I feel like it's the, the Robin Williams bit from, from, uh, Birdcage, right? Like you're a panther. You're a tiger. You're, a, you're a ferocious beast stalking <laughs> through the forest. Yes. Now with the eyes. Yes. Now with the glower. Now with the lips. Uh, oh, lips. Jordana Brewster's lip filler. Never mind. Now with the, now with the feet like padding along. Yes. You're stealthy. Yes, we're halfway down the eight meter hallway now. Yes, continue padding. And it was so good. I I loved it. I responded to it so viscerally because it was, it was good. And it like, it, it, um, I don't know. It captured, I think, what, what about Vin Diesel's movie starness is particularly Vin Diesel like, you know, like it's in, it's in the way he moves and the way he, the way he holds himself. And that I feel that way about Michelle Rodriguez in these movies too. I just like her. I like her vibe, you know, in, in, uh, in these films and they have like they, they, they both actually both those characters have sort of the power in in reserve, you know, because they had sort of authority in their community in in the first one, like people would people would just stop and listen to them if they said if they said anything, you know, and so they didn't need to like, I don't know, try it, it would have been wrong for them to have to like try too hard. You know, yeah. to, to command attention or command respect. And, th- and that was like, that's, you know, Vin Diesel walking down the hallway. But then like Charlize Theron, who like we know from, from Mad Max has, has that same power, has that same kind of like kinetic charisma and dynamism in spades. I mean, you know, she did her own John Wick movie. It's called Atomic Blonde and, mm-hmm. uh, you just like make her stand still in a, in a plexiglass box the whole time. I don't know. It feels like, feels like a waste and, and even like a bait and switch in terms of, uh, in terms of like the, the shooting down her plane, which then turns out to be not her plane, but a, like a remote aerial uh drone kind of, kind of situation yeah. like that, you know, that, that Stop. like, well, <laughs> the, whatever the, the, like that, that was the one thing in the kind of the choreography among the, um, among the uh among the the bad guys though you know i i do understand the move with with john cena and um you know uh uh little lord teutonic fauntleroy um
1: that like the the point he's very slavic Uh, slavic slavic (laughs) although he's he's, an 80s slavic because he's a blonde haired slav right it's like he's like a German, never mind doesn't matter Little little Belarusian Fauntleroy yeah exactly,
0: but that like you know his uh he's talking to John Cena about his father all the time right yeah. like and it's the it's a it's a sort of reverse Henry the V story it's like no you don't uh, not Henry fifth Henry the Fourth uh mm-hmm. part two (laughs) story right (laughs) where it's like no you don't belong with the royal family right like you belong with Falstaff in his right 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 with the with the guys hanging out in the bar eating the drinking the coronas you know Right, 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 right thou canst have any beer thou any mead thou desirest so long as it be a corona the um the uh like I I get that and and yet like there's not enough that relationship is entirely schematic, right? There's not like enough meat to it to like it, to make it fully satisfying. I I'm just saying this in the spirit of nitpicking in order to not, you know, to not completely fanboy out about uh fast and the furious, which I, which I, I mean, I feel like was better than we had a right to expect, you know, was, was the movie that I, I hadn't dared dream. It could be, yeah. <laughs> you know, and was, uh was really, was really satisfying um to me anyway where where do you want to close pete where do you know we live our life one quarter mile at a time like what uh it's a nine second it's a nine this is not a nine second podcast but uh you know i don't know how what do you want to do hit the nose pete hit All the right. nose
1: i'm going to finish where the movie started uh-huh. which was that i had a horrifying moment at the beginning of this movie when young dom came out for the first time and i said oh no That is the worst CGI (laughs) de-aging of anybody I have ever seen. That doesn't even look at all like Vin Diesel. They should have just gotten a younger actor. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. The quality of the light and the way the whole thing had gone through post production, yeah, the, it sort the, of like it was all kind of out.
0: sepia, and it was all kind of like washed out to make it look like
1: seventies film, you know? Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. In the eighties and whatnot. It's uh, not I, I eight, yeah, I, not eighties. I, I, I love those. The, the backstory stuff was great, you know, and I think the performances by the actors were great. Um, yeah, and I hard think, to yeah. do, like tough, yeah. tall order to like. You know, make make it
0: fit, really, you know, with characters that other people have created with kind of mannerisms and physicality that other people have created. And, I mean, less so for young Jacob and and a lot more for young Dom. But but uh, yeah, really, really like a good accomplishment there.
1: I will say just I think if if I need to do anything to bring us home in a movie that's so much about what's just perfect and what's just a little bit off and about the mistakes that families make that cause them to lose each other right and about trying to reach out across the distances of those past acts to try to reconnect with each other and in such a way uh, both having to confront the real conflicts that exist between us and also to confront who we've become who might not be who we are I think it was still really great to see that when. Dom's brother, Jacob, shows up and Dom is driving a Dodge. His brother is driving a Ford, Hmm. (laughs) right? And it's like the cars still tell a story. Hmm. You know, of course, Jacob drives, you know, a souped up Shelby Mustang. Right. And Dom always drives the Dodge Charger. Right. Uh, And uh, and so, like, it was really nice that in uh, in this movie that had both, you know, really high culture and really low culture and and sci fi and fantasy and superheroes and comic books and spy stuff and explosions and, and all this stuff, uh, there still is this sort of gentle arc. Of Calvin peeing from one car logo onto another car logo <laughs> 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 just sort of symbolizing the connect connections that are between us all <laughs> That right exactly the, the <laughs> many things may many
0: things change but but calvin peeing is eternal
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got to know Dom drives the dodges he drives the the uh he drives the drive drives the dodges and uh And here, Ludacris is the one who drives the Chevy, right? And he has the Jeeps, and his brother drives the Fords. It's important. The cars always tell a story in these movies, whether they're trucks or sports cars or a Ford Fiero.
0: (laughs) What? Pete? What do you? I I was not familiar. What even was? Oh, a Pontiac Fiero. Pontiac. Sorry. See, that's that's how little I know about it. You gotta you gotta educate us to before we go. You have to do it.
1: The Pontiac Fiero was a uh, sports car from the 80s, which is, I think, most notable for looking vaguely like the other more impressive coupes of the time, like the Ferraris and Corvettes and stuff. And having that sort of 80s sports car popped headlights look, but being uh, a lot more affordable, but also not being successful. (laughs) Right. So it's sort of like it's it's. It's sort of, you know, simulacrum and simulacra, right? Uh, like when, when, I was, when I was growing up, there was the ideal of like the Tessarosa, the Countach, the Corvette to a lesser extent, right? This, you know, and, uh, and and just the popped headlights, Kit, you know, the Firebird, right? The Trans Am, all that stuff with Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, the Fiero is kind of their little brother that didn't quite make it. Got it. <laughs> but in this movie, uh, you know, he got to go to space so yeah
0: absolutely the the little brother you know who uh it's uh it's super appropriate pete that description for this uh particular movie the you know the little brother who had to drive out of town and (laughs) and just keep driving and drove so far that it left the atmosphere yep All right. We gotta, we gotta leave it there. Uh, strong recommend on, on, uh, F9. Um, except, uh, you know, Pete, I went, I went to an AMC theater because my, uh, my beloved Arclight has gone bankrupt and closed. And I'm hoping that, you know, they will actually restructure debt and like emerge from bankruptcy and, and keep the, the good theaters. 25 minutes of of uh, of trailers 25 yes. mi- 25 minutes <laughs> that, that was a lot uh that was a lot um you
1: know and so. a lot of like because nobody made expensive movies during covid it's a lot of the trailers for me at least were like horror movies and the trailers were really graphic and brutal and and i didn't like them very much
0: definitely like escape room 2 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which, which i hadn't you know i hadn't realized i mean of course there's going to be a little bit show budget. the
1: deaths of all the characters in the freaking trailer what's yeah. going on
0: well may, may, you know who knows it could be uh could be a super secret double fake out but the, oh man you know um and then a lot of animation also i mm. you know i saw uh in the thing. yeah not not a lot that i'm i'm uh super excited about um. So you know, I don't know. I think I, I. I. I'm glad I went out, but I might just stay inside next
1: week. Oh, uh, wh- wh- what? What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. This has been the Overthinking Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Pete, for podcasting. I'm. I'm. I'm so glad that we got to do this, Pete. Everything's back to normal. We're back. Oh, yeah. We're back. Um. And uh. Yeah. So uh, thanks. We'll be back next week with more Overthinking It podcast. Till then, visit us on the web at OverthinkingIt.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't doesn't deserve. deserve.
1: So Jason Statham punching a dude in a heavy bag?
0: <laughs> this, yeah. This, well, I mean, it's a, it's a heavy bag or not, depending on how heavy the dude is.
1: I mean, that that is quite the philosophical <laughs> question <laughs> there. If you take a heavy bag and you make it light by not filling it, does it no longer become a heavy bag? What Certainly kind of, not a speed bag.
0: What kind of bag is it? <laughs> yeah.
1: I just want to know, is that a setup for F-10 or is that a setup for Han and Shaw?
0: Uh, yeah. Is Han is Han joining the Hobsiverse? man, you know, cause they can't show. I mean, Jason Statham can show up on Vin Diesel's movie, but you know, the rock and Vin Diesel don't get along.
1: I just love that. These are the kind of questions we're now asking about yeah. the future. That's wonderful. It's- <laughs>